Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. The series is just really focusing in on some of the big questions that people are asking today. Uh, that may be yourselves, uh, but also people out there in the, in the wider church, in the wider community. People are asking big questions. And it's so important that we uh, address those questions as a church. Because the Word of God is very relevant, isn't it? Uh, Josh said that so well last week when he preached. Um, We believe that God has something to say on the big issues of the day. And, um, you know, we all have questions, don't we? There's so many questions uh, in the world out there. I know in our our house, sorry, we have a lot of questions. Um, We have, you know, three kids under the age of six, and especially Lucas has questions all the time, questions. And probably you guys can resonate that with that if you've had or you do have young children. My favorite one is, is and I've got asked this quite regularly, can Jesus fly? That, that's Lucas's favorite question. He's a, he, 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 wa- he always wants to know how Jesus compares to Spider-Man and Superman and all the superheroes. Um, I get lost, asked a lot of maths questions, and so does Alini. She usually defers to me. Um, and I'm pretty good at maths, but um, I don't know the answer to all of them. I get asked dinosaur questions. What's the biggest dinosaur, Daddy? Um, actually, Lucas asked me that question the one day, and I, I said, I have no idea. And then Max gave him the answer. And you know what? I actually Googled I can't even remember the answer. I actually Googled it, and Max was right. Um, he loved, Max loves dinosaurs. So we get lots of questions. One other question I got asked recently in the last, say, month or few weeks um, was because um, Lucas is a Scotland fan. He loves Scotland. He's born in Scotland. He's a little Scottish boy. Um, and so he supports the Scotland football team. And we were driving to school uh, that one day, and he, we were talking about football and, and Scotland and the fact that they weren't in the World Cup and all of these things. And, and he said to me, Daddy, how big does the football field need to be when Scotland play? And so I had to explain to him that actually it's not the whole of Scotland that are playing. Um, It's actually just the 11 best players uh, that are playing for Scotland, Lucas. And actually the football field is the same size, uh, even when Scotland are playing. So, you know, we we get questions all the time. Some questions are obviously uh, we can laugh about. um, But, um, you know, there's some really important questions uh, too. So... Um, I trust that you were blessed last week as, as, as Josh shared into this and, and today and, and next week we've actually got Christian coming through um, to preach into this series as well. It's really just about getting practical. Uh, and so this week we're going to be asking or trying to answer the question, uh, how do I forgive? How do I forgive? You know, I, I can certainly put my hand up and, and say there's times when this is a really relevant question for me, and I trust it is for you guys as well. And so just before um, we get into the, the rest of the message, there's just a quick video uh, that I want to play. Hello? Hi, is this Danny McGrath? Yeah. The Danny McGrath that graduated from Nib High School in 1984? Uh, yeah. Who is this? Um, this is uh, Billy Madison. You probably don't remember me, but... I, I kind of gave you a hard time back then, and I did some things that I thought were funny at the time, but now I realize they were just mean and then stupid, and I uh, just wanted to apologize, and I hope you forgive me. Yeah, I'm sorry. 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 Yeah, I'm sorry.
Yeah, sure. Don't worry about it. It's no problem. Wow, that's great. Um, well, I am sorry, and uh, maybe we can get together sometime and, uh, and have some coffee or something. Sure, I like that. Okay, well, I'll see you around. Okay. Bye. Has anyone got, did you see that? Has anyone got a list like that? Pe- people to kill. No one? No one at all? Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that. Anybody at least maybe something a little milder, like people that you'd like to slap or, or punch. Anyone bold enough? We had no one at Ilkeston. Oh, we've got one that's honest. Thank you. Oh, two. There's a few that's honest. You see, because... In church, we tend to be quite righteous about this, don't? So I'm going to ask the question one more time in a different way. Because at, 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 at church, we tend to pray for people, right? So anybody got that prayer list, those people that are on your prayer list, right? That you really need to pray for, yeah. We've got a few takers on that. Um, you know, we all, unforgiveness, people hurt us. It's something that's relevant uh, for all of us, isn't it? Um, we can joke about it, and you know, humor is a good thing. I'm glad nobody has a people to kill list, um, or else I would be coming straight to you and apologizing for whatever I've done, if, even if I've done nothing. But, uh, you know, forgiveness is still an issue. In fact, the open hostility that we often uh, associate with forgiveness um, or unforgiveness is often the result of just a series of stages. It's almost the end result of unforgiveness, isn't it? That it ends out in this hostility, but it often starts with far milder things. And so you may not be wanting to kill anyone today, but there's, there's different things that can be displayed in our lives as signs of unforgiveness. Uh, forgiveness is really the act of pardoning your offender, or shall we say letting it go. I came up across, uh, across this definition. It's the intentional and voluntary process by which a victim undergoes a change of feelings and attitude regarding an offense. Let's go of the negative emotions like vengefulness and, an incre- and has an increased ability to wish the offender well. So that's really um, forgiveness or unforgiveness um, is, is, is part of that. And it starts, I mean, it can so easily start with distance, can't it? Uh, when we're har- harboring unforgiveness, even just a distance in a relationship, it can, re- it, can, it can start by us just putting walls up in our relationships. When we are hurt, these are natural reactions, natural signs, I suppose, of unforgiveness. You know, when we have broken or hurtful relationships, the easy thing to do is say, I'm going to make sure I don't get hurt again. And so we put these walls up. We put separation. We, we say, I'm not, I'm not going there anymore. I'm going to protect myself. And let me just say, there's occasions where you're really badly hurt and, and, and people have really hurt you badly that you need to put some distance and some walls. And I'm not saying that's not the case. Uh, it's important. But what we tend to do is even in every single situation where we're hurt, whether it's our our wife or our spouse or our friends or whatever it may be, we just put up those walls. We put that, and that can be the beginning uh, of 
unforgiveness. Chris Hodges from um, the Church of the Highlands um, uh, said, we often use that phrase, I just don't care anymore. Like, I'm done caring. You know, Nathan, you've hurt me so badly. I just don't care anymore. But often that can be the very sign that we do care. Yeah? We, we, we often, it's the people that we most care about where there's really some unforgiveness who can say, you know what, I don't care anymore. I said that this week on, on Tuesday night when, when Liverpool were 3-0 up uh, and then got pegged back and drew three each. And I said, I just don't care anymore. <laughs> but how many of you guys know I do care? Um, it was just out of that hurtness, that, I, that, that, that pain that I said, I just don't care anymore. You see, I'm believing that this Christmas, this Christmas is going to be a Christmas because Christmas can be a great time, but it can be a painful time too, can't it? Broken relationships, walls, uh, distance and relationship. So I'm really believing that in, amongst us here today, that those relationships that, that where there is unforgiveness, that this Christmas can be a breakthrough Christmas. Yeah? Do we believe that? That there can be healing in those relationships. That there can be a, a forgiveness that comes at least in our hearts, at least from our side, and that this Christmas uh, can be a different Christmas. You see, it's important, first of all, uh, for us to understand why forgiveness is, is so important. So if we're asking the question, how do I forgive? Well, first of all, why is forgiveness so important? I don't want to say this. Forgiveness is important because it's, forgiveness is about finding freedom. It's something we talk about a lot at Arena. Finding freedom. You see, God wants us to find freedom. It's easy when we have been offended or hurt to think that us holding on to unforgiveness for somebody else is actually hurting them. Is actually something, you know, I'm not going to forgive them. They don't deserve to be forgiven. I'm going to hold on to that. But actually what we, we sometimes forget is that it's the opposite is true. When we hold on, on to unforgiveness, it's actually hurting ourselves. Yeah? It's actually chaining you when you're holding on to that unforgiveness for people. You can never be fully free until you've truly forgiven people that have hurt you and let go. It, co- it takes a lot of energy to carry around a grudge, yeah? It's energy sapping, in fact, to, to carry around a grudge. Studies show as well, and I'm a bit of a geek for stuff like this, but studies show that there are health benefits for forgiveness. Do you know that? You can go and search, whether it's on the internet or however um, you want to do that, but um, there are health benefits to forgiveness. You know that it lowers your stress levels. Josh spoke well about stress last week. It lowers your heart rate rate. Lowers your blood pressure. In fact, I was saying to Alini yesterday, do you know that actually they've linked even back pain? That apparently people who have, are more likely to forgive, and scientific studies, actually is less likely to have back pain. Even simple things like that. Obviously, it's not the only cause, but you know, it's, it's one of these things. Um, and so you actually live longer when you forgive. It's scientifically, they've done studies on that. And so I just, it just amazes me uh, when people are actually finding out a little bit about how God designed us. He doesn't necessarily uh, detail all of that in the Bible, but he designed us. And when he asks us to forgive, when he says we should forgive, it is for our own benefit. Yeah? 
It's only truly possible to find full freedom when we forgive. You may have heard that, that phrase, time is a healer. Um, time is a great healer, and, and it can be very true for our bodies. You know, a lot of the time you get a scratch or a cut or a bruise, and really just time heals it. It heals with time. It happens automatically. Um, but so often when we are hurt in our hearts, um, it's a far more conscious process. We have a part to play. If we just le- let it go and think that time will heal it, that's not, ne- not necessarily true. It's a conscious process that we need to take uh, from, from our side. Forgiveness is about finding freedom. And there's a great illustration is um, Pope John Paul II. Um, for those of you that don't know, one of the longest serving, um, if not the longest serving popes, um, he, he was pope from 1978 all the way through till 2005. Uh, and, and about three years into his, his time as pope, Um, Maybe some of you can remember um, he was actually shot. Um, So somebody tried to kill him. Um, And uh, they came very close. And and, um, he he was, you know, quite seriously, seriously hurt. And and, um, they caught this guy and they put him in jail. Uh, But the wonderful part of the story is this, that, um, that Pope John Paul actually, not at the guy's request, but at his own, from his own heart, decided, I'm going to go and visit this guy in jail. And so there's some wonderful photos, and obviously it was in the media at the time, of how Pope John Paul II went in, spoke to this guy and said, you know what, I forgive you. And as it turns out, once the guy came out of jail, apparently his life dramatically changed, and he actually came to faith uh, as well. But what what a great example of how Pope John Paul II realized that He had been hurt. He was the one that was the victim. But he realized that unless he forgave, he too was going to be locked in jail, just like that man. Just like that man was in a physical jail. He was going to be locked up. He was going to be chained uh, by the chains, as it were, of unforgiveness unless he made a conscious decision to forgive. Forgiveness about finding freedom. Uh, Matthew 16, verse 14 through 15 says this. It says, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, we don't have time to go into the detail of that, and we could have a theological debate on that verse right here. But let me just say this. The stakes are high. That there's something, that there is a link between the forgiveness of our sins and how we forgive other people. Those two are actually linked in, in a sense that our freedom, that uh, our freedom from our sins is, is linked into the way we forgive others too. And to be honest with you, I, I believe it's, it, it's a heart thing that when we truly realize, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, when we truly realize what God has done for us, I believe a natural reaction is to forgive others. So forgiveness is just so important because it's linked into us finding freedom. So, let, so how do we forgive? How do we forgive? Well, I think the first thing I want to say on this, and there's so much we could say, is that it's important for us to understand who's trying to hurt you. You know, there's so much terrorism and crime out there, and, and um, I know, for me for one, whenever I hear that there's another terrorist atrocity, um, I'm always thinking, well, 
who's actually behind this act? Because there's usually a bigger organization, isn't it? Maybe in, in years gone by, it was the IRA. Um, you know, nowadays, it might be Islamic State or, or whatever it is when there's these terrorist activities going on. Um, and I'm always, always thinking, you know, who's actually behind that? It's the same for, for many crimes, isn't it? When people get caught trafficking drugs and things, it's usually just a little person that's been used by a bigger uh, you know, drug lord or whatever. And so they actually haven't really caught the person that's behind it. You see, it's helpful for us to think and to understand that really our main enemy, the one that's really trying to hurt us, is, is not our neighbor it's not our boss who is out to get us necessarily, our, our ex-partner or, or whatever it may be, but we've got one real enemy, and that's the devil himself who's out. And he often uses people um, for, for, to, to hurt us because hurt people hurt people. Yeah? There's a verse in, in Ephesians 6, uh, 12, which says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, what I'm not saying is that we blame everything on the, the enemy. We don't blame everything. You know, you stub your foot, you get, you know, you get in a car accident, it's, it's his fault. Uh, sometimes we give him too much credit. But what we do need to understand is that he's the one that's brought the evil into the world, isn't it? We've, we've chosen to follow that path. But really, the, the chaos, the the, the hurt and so much of what we see in this world is just because the enemy is having his way, because he's hurting people who then hurt others, because he's bringing about bitterness that then is, is like a, 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 a snowball, as it were, um, of bitterness that's happening. So I think we need to realize, and, and it, it's so helpful for us to have compassion for people, even people that hurt us, when we realize Nathan may have hurt me, but you know what? I'm still going to love Nathan because the chances are it's just that Nathan's hurting himself and he's hurt me because of that. We've got one enemy, one true enemy, uh, which is the devil himself, who wants to frustrate everything we're doing as church, um, who wants to frustrate us who are sons and daughters of God. And so if you're going to get angry, get angry at him. If you're going to get upset, get upset with him. And you know what? The best way you can do to frustrate the, the enemy is to live a life of love, to live a life of forgiveness, to live a life of purpose, to do what God has called you to do is the best possible way that you can get back at him, if you were. And so we need to understand and have compassion for people that the enemy is the one who wants to steal, kill, and destroy um, but often people are used. And in fact, we can probably say that ourselves, and I know I've probably been used in a sense as a pawn in the enemy's plans to hurt people. We're all used in that in some way. I always remember when Jesus you know, said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You know, he, he knew that um, Peter was, his, was a good friend and a disciple of him, but he said it was the, it was the fact that the enemy was trying to use Peter to get to Jesus. So our real enemy, the one that's really trying to hurt us, is the devil. But the next thing I want to say is how important it is for us to decide to forgive. It's a decision to forgive. Ephesians 4, 26 to 27 
and I'm reading from the, the Amplified Version because I, I love how it comes across in this version. It says this, When angry, do not sin. Do not ever let, the, let your wrath, your exasperation, your fury or indignation last until the sun goes down. Leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity for him. See there, it's coming across again. We're fighting against the enemy. We don't want to give him a foothold um, by, by holding on to anger, for holding, by holding on to wrath. Leave no such room for a foothold for the devil. But I think it's so important for us to realize that when we do get angry and things happen and we get hurt and that, that we do get angry. Um, you know, the, the, the verse we've read says, when angry. Um, it's something that we will, will happen to us. And in many ways, it's a very natural thing that happens when we do get angry. The adrenaline flows, whatever we say, a rush of blood to the head. Um, you know, even Jesus got angry uh, with a righteous anger. But what does us harm is holding on to that anger. Yeah? What does us harm is actually holding on and not releasing that anger. I love that part where it says, until the sun goes down. Don't let your wrath last until the sun goes down. And so often we, we, we do take that literally, don't we? And Eleni's stepped out now, but you know, we try to you know, sort things out before we go to bed, but we don't always do that. But I think it's important for us to realize that we can't take that too literally either. Because it's not like if you, if you fall out, if you're angry with somebody at 7 o'clock in the morning, that you're okay because you've got 12 hours to sort it out. You know, okay, we had a fallout. I'm angry. I'm going to be angry all day because I'm just going to sort it out before the sun goes down or before midnight strikes or whatever. It's not a magical formula. But, you, you know, but if you happen to fall out or get angry with somebody five minutes before the sun goes down, you better, you better sort it out. Like straight away, you need to sort it out. What really what God's trying to say is it's the principle of not holding on to anger, isn't it? So if you fall out, if you're angry with somebody at 7 o'clock in the morning, can we say don't, don't let breakfast come before you've not let go of that anger? If you fall out with somebody at 5 minutes to noon, don't let noontime come until you've sorted out your anger. Whatever it may be, the point that he's trying to make is, is don't hold on to your anger. Do we understand? It's not a magical moment. The sun goes down. That's when it happens. No, it's important for us to sort out our anger and not hold on to it whenever that happens. Don't dwell on it. Decide to forgive. It's a decision. The verse we've just read says, don't let your wrath last. Don't give the enemy a foothold. Who's in control of when you forgive? You're in control of when you forgive. It's your decision. It's your power. You have the power to forgive. And it's interesting that it doesn't even distinguish between the levels of hurt either. Um, you know, we often do that, don't we? Maybe you got cut off in traffic. It's a fairly minor offense in the big scheme of things. You know, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Maybe you, you get in one of those arguments with your, your spouse, you know, where, you know those arguments where you don't even know what you argued about in the first place, but you've argued and you've fallen out anyway. Anyone have those? No, anyone bold enough? Yeah, we've, I, we have them, don't we, Alini? 
Actually, no, we don't. No, we don't. I just heard other people do. <laughs> no, but we all have these. So these, what I'm trying to say is these little minor things that we have. Yeah, you know, don't let the, the sun go down on your wrath. But, but, but what if it's a bigger thing? What if, you know, there's a, your spouse is unfaithful to you? What if somebody hurts a member of your family? Like, you know, it boggles my mind if anyone was to hurt my kids. What would I do? I'd be so angry. But can we just skip back to that section of, it says, don't, do not ever let your wrath last until the sun goes down. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. And I'm not pretending that, that everything's easy. But, but I do believe that if God asks us to do that, it's possible. Yeah? It's possible to let go because God asks us. Don't, he says, don't let it happen. Don't hold on to your anger. Can I say I firmly believe in, in Christian counseling and all of these things to help us work through our anger and our unforgiveness. And you know what? That's been a blessing to, to people close to me as well. And I, I'm all for that. But what I also believe is that you can forgive straight away with the power of God in you. That God can help us to forgive before the sun goes down. That God can help us in a supernatural way to grasp forgiveness like we've never grasped it before. Don't wait for the apology. Because you're just hurting yourself when you hold on to that anger. Don't, don't have to wait for the apology. Maybe you, you're thinking, Stephen, I know I'm maybe not fully with you on that, but here we go. Ephesians 4, just a few verses after what, what I've just read. It goes into a little bit more detail. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Wow. For me, I, I, I don't know about you, but for me, that's the clincher. How does it look? Can you just, in your mind, what, whoever you're holding something against, if there's unforgiveness in your heart, just, just use those words. Forgive just as Christ forgave you. Isn't that a, a mind-blowing statement? How do we forgive like Christ forgave us? Because, you see, you'll never have to forgive somebody as much as God forgave you. It's your sins that nailed him to the cross. And the wonderful thing is that the Bible tells us that he initiated the process for our forgiveness before we were even interested. While we were yet sinners, God sent his son Jesus. He initiated the process. Forgive like God forgave us. Wow. The Bible says freely you've received, freely give. This is for you to find freedom. This is for you to be released from the chains of unforgiveness. Forget the other person for a moment. Just forget them. It's about you. It's about your health. It's about your freedom. It's about you emulating the God that has, 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 has done so much to forgive you, making that decision to forgive. You see, if you say, Stephen, you have no idea. You're right. I have no idea about your circumstances and what you're going through. But I do know what the Word of God says. And I do believe that if you find 
real relationship with Jesus Christ, if you really grasp what Jesus has done for you, then out of that, you can forgive too. I believe that. I've experienced that because I realize what type of a person. I may look clean and and you may think I'm a pastor and I'm perfect. I'm not at all. I've messed up. I deserve to be sent to hell. But you know what? He's forgiven me. Who am I to hold anything against a person who's hurt me when God has forgiven me so much? We need to grasp exactly what God has done for us. The other thing I want to say, and, and you know, I just felt prompted to say it today, is that you know, we, we understand, we come into relationship with God, um, we understand that He's forgiven our sins, but sometimes forgiveness is still a hard thing to do. And I realize that, even for us as Christians. But can I say that there's one other aspect, and that's the Holy Spirit. Let's not forget about the Holy Spirit. Let's not forget about the fact that it's not only about coming into a relationship with Jesus, finding salvation, because that's our salvation moment. And from that time forward, we have the Holy Spirit within us. But we're a Pentecostal church, part of the Assemblies of God. And we believe that there is a second experience where you can get baptized in the Holy Spirit and He can fill you with power to do the things that you never thought you could do. Hello? Hello, do we believe that? I know I believe that. Let me tell you, I wouldn't be standing here if it wasn't for the the Holy Spirit power that was endued upon me. Wouldn't be here. You know, the Bible tells us about a guy called Peter, who you may have heard about how he denied Jesus in the build-up to Jesus' crucifixion. He was scared. He denied that he even knew Jesus because he was so scared about the consequences of being seen alongside Jesus as one of his disciples. But then we read just a a matter of time, just not long enough, not long after, how he experienced a filling with the Holy Spirit, a filling with boldness, with, with, with such boldness that he was preaching on the streets of Jerusalem, whereas previously he was scared to even be known to be with Jesus. Suddenly there he was preaching with boldness on the streets of Jerusalem. Thousands of people turning their lives over to Jesus because of the Holy Spirit that filled him, that changed him, that he already knew Jesus. He, was already, uh, he, he already believed in God. He was saved, but he had a second experience that filled him with power. You know what Jesus said to them? They, they even, he even said to them, don't go out, don't do anything until the Holy Spirit has come. For me, that's mind-boggling because it's like saying to us, you know, don't go out and spread the good news until the Holy Spirit has come. Until the Holy Spirit has filled you with power, wait for it. Why? Because there's no way we can do it without it. There's no way we can do it without the Holy Spirit. We can go so far, but we can never reach the potential that God has for us without the Holy Spirit filling us. Can I say to you today, if you've been listening to what I've been saying today and you think, I just can't forgive, you can. Knowing who your Savior is and saying, Holy Spirit, fill me. Here's the thing. You can be prayed for, but it doesn't rely on me laying a hand on your head and praying for you. You can just say wherever you are. That's my experience. Nobody ever laid a hand on me. I just said to God, God, if this is real, 
If you want to fill me with power, if you want to fill me with the Holy Spirit, God, I don't want part of what you've got for me. I want it all. And God met me where I needed to be met. He filled me with the Holy Spirit. He changed me just because I asked with a heart of faith. Can I say, if this feels impossible for you, it's not. With God's help, it's very possible. And I want to just wrap up here. I'm a little over time. I'm getting carried away here. But there's one other thing I wanted to say which can help us forgive. And this, it's this. It's refocus on your purpose. Refocus on your purpose. And you may think, you know, at first glance, how does that relate to forgiveness? Well, you see, unforgiveness can be a detour to the purposes of God in your life. We've all got a purpose. And I honestly believe as long as we're holding on to unforgiveness, we'll never truly be able to push in to what God has for us. Our first trip to Mansfield, I shared this with Ilkeston. I'll quickly share it with you guys. Our first trip to Mansfield was in February, Valentine's weekend, 2016. I got that right, right? 2016? Yeah. Yeah, 2016. Anyway, almost two years ago. is the first time we came to Arena. We went to Ilkeston in the morning. We came to uh, Mansfield at nighttime. And we were living in Scotland at the time. And so we had this wonderful intention of driving after the service, like 8 o'clock. It was like a four-hour trip. Um, sometimes four, four and a half, five hours. So we would arrive at midnight, maybe one in the morning, sleep in our own beds, sorted, ready for the week ahead. Um, so we left Mansfield about eight-ish before we even drove out of Mansfield. We, we haven't even passed the, the hospital yet. Um, and Lucas was sick in the car. So we're thinking, what a start. Um, so anyway, we, we cleaned him up, we pushed on. Um, then about half an hour up the M1, there was a detour, roadworks. So we took this detour so slow behind big trucks. We eventually got back onto the M1, and then it started snowing. So there was snow. So then the road was closed. We were trying to go up through Scotch Corner, if you know the road. Um, it was closed. So they detoured us all the way past, like we ended up in Middlesbrough or something like that. Um, I don't know if any of you from there, but yeah. I'm not going to like put it on my list to go back. But anyway, we, Middlesbrough. We ended up in Middlesbrough. And, um, and so we, this was like maybe one o'clock or half twelve. And we were meant to be in Scotland by now. Um, but we were just detoured. Think one thing after the other just took us off our path. So we eventually decided, okay, pack it in, travel lodge, let's sleep the night. We'll refocus in the morning. It's a silly illustration, isn't it? But it's so true how that happens with our end goal is, is to get to, to Scotland or your end goal is what your purpose is. But things happen. Things detour us. Things take us off course. People hurt us. Unforgiveness comes in. We get off course. I want to say to you today, refocus. Just pause for a moment. Refocus on why you're here, why you're here on earth, because there is a purpose that God has for you. I'm going to read one more scripture because I love this one and I can't leave it out. So um, if we're running a bit late, you know, forgive me. But 2 Timothy 4, uh, 14 through 17. And this is Paul um, writing a letter to Timothy, who was his, he was kind of mentor to Timothy. Um, and he said this near the end of, of 2 Timothy. He says, Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he's done. You two should be on your guard against him because 
he strongly opposed our message. So without going into too much detail on Alexander, really, Alexander the metal worker was an enemy. He's somebody who, who, who really was opposing Paul, did him much harm. But you know what he says? Paul says, the Lord will repay him. You know, I'm not going to get caught up in what Alexander has done to me. Uh, the Lord is going to take care of that. I'm letting it go. He doesn't, he's not naive. He says, you should be on your guard against him too, and, and I will be. But you know what? I'm going to be on my guard, but I'm not going to let unforgiveness creep in. God will take care of it. Verse 16, at my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. So his enemy has hurt him. I'm going to let God deal with that. The people that are closest to him, those that he most loved, have, have actually let him down, never showed up when he was on trial. But what does he say? He says, may it not be held against them. I'm not going to hold it against them. God, don't hold it against them. Soft heart, forgiveness. First his enemies, then those that um, were close to him. And then verse 17 says this, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. You see, that's Paul's purpose. His purpose was to proclaim a message for the Gentiles to hear the good news too. And so he said, my enemies hurt me. That's not going to detour me. Those that are closest to me let me down. That's not going to detour me. I'm going to keep my focus on the purpose, on my purpose, why I'm here. And I'm going to push forward. Let me tell you, the same is true for us. Don't let unforgiveness sidetrack you. Refocus on your purpose. Don't let the enemy take a foothold. Don't give him a foothold. You see, you've got a contribution to make. Every single one of you have a contribution to make. I could pick any one of you out of the congregation now. You've got a purpose. But here's the thing is when we allow unforgiveness to come in, when we get hurt and we don't forgive, that can just grow, grow, grow and grow to the point that we, we sidetracked from the purpose that God has for us. That we no, no longer operate with the joy of the Lord. We no, no longer operate with compassion and love for other people because we've let that focus and come into our hearts. I'm going to call the guys up and uh, just as we close today, you see, we all have a, maybe a song to sing. Maybe we've got a welcome to give. You've certainly got a purpose. And it's important that you don't get sidetracked from that. Can we stand to our feet and just as we close?